because so often a script writer somewhere manages to slip a poem into a TV script or a movie script. And I think there are three ways that this happens. They either say to their co-writers, okay, we're going to use a poem in this scene. It's going to make things way more dramatic and interesting. Or they just slide it in there as a wink to the audience and hope that nobody will pull that line out. And occasionally poetry actually gets used as a plot device, not that often. So I'm going to look at examples of each of these today. Massive language warning on this episode. Cover your children's ears. And there's also some minor spoilers for for some TV shows that are out there playing at the moment. So you may want to skip over certain parts if you don't want your viewing spoiled. So to start with, poetry that makes things more dramatic or meaningful. Best example I could think of for this is the movie Skyfall. One of my favourite Bond films. I don't know why I have a favourite Bond film. These are movies where women go to get killed, let's face it. But I love Judi Dench in this one. And in this scene she's playing M, the head of MI5. She's been pulled into a government committee to explain herself and explain all the failures that have happened so far in this film. And she gets a little poetic. Chairman, ministers, today I've repeatedly heard how irrelevant my department has become. Why do we need agents, the double O section? Isn't it all rather quaint? Well, I suppose I see a different world than you do. And the truth is that what I see frightens me. I'm frightened because our enemies are no longer known to us. They do not exist on a map. They're not nations. They're individuals. Look around you. Who do you fear? Can you see a face, a uniform, a flag? No. Our world is not more transparent now. It's more opaque. It's in the shadows. That's where we must do battle. So before you declare us irrelevant, ask yourselves, how safe do you feel? Just one more thing to say. My late husband was a great lover of poetry and um, I suppose some of it sunk in despite my best intentions. And here today I remember this, I think, from Tennyson. We are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven. That which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. So, I don't know, I, you might think that seems a little bit jarring, but I actually think it works pretty well. I think it adds a bit of depth to that scene, which is mostly about yet more explosions and gunshots. So this poem actually pops up again in the finale of Frasier. I've seen a lot of Frasier. I promise I was only watching it for Niles and Daphne. I have no special love for Kelsey Grammer. 
And uh, yeah, he really doesn't do that great a job with the poem in this, uh, in this example. The only reason I'm leaving is because I want what all of you have now. A new chapter. Who knows if it'll even work out, but uh, it's like that uh, Tennyson poem Mom had us recite for you when we were kids. Do you remember? I think we're about to. <laughs> it may be the gulfs will wash us down. It may be we shall touch the happy isles. And though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are. Made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. I've been thinking about that poem a lot lately. And I think what it says is that while it's tempting to play it safe, the more we're willing to risk, the more alive we are. In the end, what we regret most are the chances we never took. Sorry, Kelsey, that was, that was tragic. And the worst part is that they've just straight up changed and missed out on a bunch of the lines there. That's not how it goes. So big fail there, scriptwriters. Now, along with Tennyson, another poet who pops up a lot, or a couple of times at least, on TV is E. e. Cummings. And this scene from the TV show Girls is, it's, it's the ex-boyfriend meeting the current boyfriend. The setting is the wedding of the best friend. As you can imagine, things are pretty awkward. Arnie kicked Fran out of the house for female reasons, so, um, can you take care of him? Yeah, sure. Have a seat. Awesome. Yeah. Settle in, son, and just let the nightmare wash over you. Yeah. It's nice in here. It's very, like, skull and bones, secret gentleman's society. Hi. Hi. Oh, hello. Suit looks great. Very serious. I have to, um... Thank you. Get back to the house where everyone's just... Boobs are going to explode. Okay. Hey, 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 hey. I'm, uh, just... Uh, how, 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 uh, um... Uh, you know, nothing, nothing doing, but... Oh, good, good, good. Look, uh, if you need me to... I, I can, I can just... No, 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 no. No. I didn't just, I'm not, I didn't just... No, I figured with the, with the, uh... Yeah, but it's... Yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't you guys try a few complete sentences? This conversation sounds like a fucking E.E. E. Cummings poem. Wow. Oh, E.E. E. Cummings. It's just so easy to make fun of you sometimes. Poor guy. I think that the poem that they were making fun of there is Anyone Lived in a Pretty How Town, which starts out, Anyone lived in a pretty how town with up so floating many bells down. Spring, summer, autumn, winter, he sang his didn't, he danced his did. Another show where E.E. E. Cummings pops up just for a second is Mr. Robot, which is just a fantastic TV series. I guess the best way to sum it up would be to say it's about a hacker collective. 
but that doesn't even begin to cover the incredibly intricate and often very confusing plot. But the creator, Sam Esmail, has basically come out and said that his show is basically one giant Easter egg. There is so much to look for and to analyse in the set, in the things that the people say, and people are spending a lot of time doing exactly that. And so I was sitting there writing down any time anything poetic came up in the show. And there's a scene where there's a pyromaniac character and she just happens to be burning a copy of a book by Maya Angelou, which is a little bit harsh, I thought. And then there's another scene where one of the characters says to our hero, Elliot, when it comes to computers, I get them about as much as Maxine here gets E. Cummings, Maxine being his dog. And then there's this scene in the finale where, and look, I can't spoil this for you because at this point I basically had no idea what was going on, but we've got the guy who we thought was a baddie talking to Elliot, our hero, and he's getting quite emotional and this emotion brings this poem out of him. Elliot! I believe in fate. There's a reason we met. There's something between us. I can see it. You're only seeing what's in front of you. You're not seeing what's above you. I don't understand. I... I want to help me understand. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. to say that to me all the time as a child. It was the only English he knew. Some silly poem. It meant very much to him. I use it as a reminder. A reminder of him. And a reminder of what I never wanted to become. loved that moment because it's just so ridiculous. Why on earth would you start quoting William Carlos Williams' Red Wheelbarrow in the middle of this kind of climactic moment? It makes absolutely no sense. So poetry is plot device. The example I came up with for this one was from a TV show that's on Amazon at the moment. It's called Transparent. If you've seen it, you're probably jumping up and down screaming, going, oh my God, it's so amazing. If you've never seen it, it's the story of a father who transitions to become a woman quite late in life. I think he's meant to be in his 60s or something like that. And sort of the cascade effect that that has on the rest of his family. 
It sounds really heavy, but it's actually absolutely beautifully made and basically as funny as it is tragic. Well worth your time. Very well worth your time. And poetry plays a really big role in this, probably because while the show was being created, Jill Soloway, the main person behind the show, was leaving her husband to start dating one Eileen Miles, who I'd actually never heard of before I started watching Transparent, and now I can't imagine what my life would be like without Eileen Miles' poetry. Um, Yeah, I feel like I was missing a huge chunk of my poetic knowledge that thankfully watching Transparent filled in for me. So these examples are from the second season and one of them is a scene in which Ali, the youngest of the family, I think, is um, she's out bowling with her girlfriends and she's kind of going through her own feelings of, you know, who does she love and, and who is she? And she's heard about this poet called Leslie Mackinaw, who's actually just Eileen Miles. And she starts reading out this poem to her friends. Boom, boom. Hey, have you guys heard of Leslie Mackinac? Yes, um, I'm a lesbian. Of course I have. Yeah, I had a girlfriend who named her cat after Leslie Mackinac. No, so did I. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Perhaps the same ex-girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, she would like basically be Jack Kerouac or Allen Ginsberg if we didn't grow up in a patriarchy. If we did grow up in a patriarchy. If we did not grow up in a patriarchy. Uh, I mean, I think she lives in Oakland. There's some are northern lesbianish. No, no, she's at UCLA because Allie might go there for grad school. Interesting. Holy fuck, you guys, this poem! I always put my pussy in the middle of trees, like a waterfall, like a doorway to God, like a flock of birds. I always put my lover's cunt on the crest of a wave, like a flag that I can pledge my allegiance to. This is my country. Here, when we're alone in public. My lover's pussy is a badge, is a nightstick, is a helmet, is a deer's face, is a handful of flowers. Is a waterfall is a river of blood, is a Bible, is a hurricane, is a soothsayer. I really identified with that scene because I'm absolutely that person who will pull out their phone and start reading a poem at you. It's really annoying, I'm sure. But yeah, so to spoil the plot a little bit, later on in the series, Allie's character gets to meet this Leslie Mackinaw in an episode where Eileen Mars herself shows up, but only as a kind of a cameo. And this is a scene where Leslie's up on stage reading another of Miles's poems called School of Fish. I simply walked and the apologies kept coming, streaming in, and I said, I simply walked and the tree turned. No, the key and the bottom of the sea is flooded with light. We just get used to it. The deeper and deeper we go, and the harder it is to turn the key, 
and eventually we go. And it is very, very dark. We just get used to the light. But the blues and the grays and the feelings of lostness, it's like home. It's like family. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. It's good to meet you. What's your name? Joanne. Joanne. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely beautiful. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi. Hey. That was, that was incredible. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, it pleases me that you, you liked it. Makes me think everybody in the world should be a poet. Oh, man, you do not want everyone in the world writing poems. So obviously, if you want to use poetry as a plot device, it helps to have a character who's actually a poet themselves. But I think these are really beautiful and smart ways that Jill Soloway has used Eileen Miles' poetry. And it doesn't feel kind of jammed in there. It feels relatively natural to me. But I think the best example of poetry on film has to come from the Mike Myers film, So I Married an Axe Murderer. It's a bit of an old one. You might not have seen it, but the other day when I emailed my little brother to say, I'm going to try and read some poetry on stage tonight, which I didn't end up actually being able to do, but um, he sent me a link to this piece and it made me a lot less nervous because I remembered how ridiculous you can sound sometimes when you're up on stage trying to be a slam poet. I broke up with those girls for very good reasons. Oh, really? Yes. Really? What about Jill? She was in the Mafia. She was in the Mafia? Yes, the Cosa Nostra. The whole time we went out, she didn't tell me what she did for a living. Charlie, she was unemployed. She didn't have a job. Well, that's just the perfect cover now, isn't it? All right, all right. What about Pam? She smelled like soup. What does that mean? She smelled exactly like beef vegetable soup. Charlie, you're paranoid. Well, you weren't there. It's all in your head. No, no. It no, is. No, no. All right, Amon. Wish me luck. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for our own Mr. Charlie McKenzie. Crazy thing called love. 